0: All episodes of the Garage Build podcast are recorded live in the Law Fran studios. The Law Offices of Fran Hosh, Fall Harbor, Florida. Call 1 866 Law or go to lawfran.com. The Law Offices of Fran Hosh, serving the Tampa Bay biker community for over 20 years. back to the Garageville podcast i am jason hallman thank you for following along thank you to everybody that followed us this year i really appreciate that we get some awesome analytics back from spotify turns out that we're a pretty popular podcast so i appreciate that hey this episode of the Garageville podcast is brought to you by sns Cycles. since 1958 sns has led the B twin aftermarket from innovative new ways to get air and fuel into your performance twin to big bore kits for all big twins sportsters and m8s to today's must-have exhaust components Choose SNS Cycles for your next performance upgrade. Visit SSCycle.com and follow SNS Cycles on social media at SSCycle. Team Dream Rides in Maryville, Tennessee is located only minutes from the tail of the Dragon. Team Dream Rides specializes in performance engine upgrades, used bike sales, service, maintenance, and repair. Visit TeamDreamRides.com or follow at Dream Rides Tennessee on Instagram to keep up with all the latest news. The High Seas Rally is going to set sail 2023, this time from Tampa, Florida. It is the only motorcycle rally on a cruise ship. Join myself and all my friends as we sail the High Seas for a seven-day cruise. Follow at High Seas Rally on Instagram to find out all of the latest information. 1620 Workwear is premium, made in the USA Workwear, guaranteed for life. Visit 1620USA.com and use the discount code SPEED2022. You're going to save 20% at checkout. We are the only 20% discount on that site. Follow at 1620USA. Got a fantastic new podcast for you today. I'm super stoked. This wasn't just my idea, but John Jessup from Team Dream Rise came to me and said, hey, listen, what if you and I sat down, created a whole new podcast idea, and uh, we recorded something we're calling the inside job and what this is about is kind of giving you an inside look at what we deal with on a regular basis with business and things like that if you remember in 2021 we did four or five episodes on business and things and this is the inside job hosted by jason hallman and john jessup enjoy
1: just got done saying you and sonny black of french donnie so, uh, you know i got sent for it. In our thing, you get sent for, you go in alive, you come out dead. And it's your best friend that does it.
0: Let me understand this, because I, you know, maybe it's me, I'm a little fucked up, maybe. But I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you. I make you laugh, I'm here to fucking amuse you. What do you mean funny? Funny how? How am I funny?
1: Frank Sheeran. You like steak? I do. I deliver steak.
0: Do you? Good steak. I can deliver you steak. How much of that shitty deal did you sell to your clients after June 22, 2007? What do you
1: want, fucko? You
0: want some huh?
1: Oh, hey! hey
0: ah, what are you doing? Oh, 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 oh. I swear, to my fucking mother. If you touch her again, you're dead. Oh. Oh, ah. Don't
1: shoot. Hi, guys. You all right?
0: you all right? Yes. Yeah. You have to answer for Santino, Carlo. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good how are you? I'm well. I'm well. I'm looking Good. at I'm looking at this photo of uh your your Pokemon slippers and Yeah. Dude, you know, um <laughs> dude, I'm so jealous isn't the right word, but like like I absolutely love that you have a space to do to do that at your house that, that I that I don't have yet that I'm working on you working on a plan, you know what I mean?
1: Dude, I uh I'm very very fortunate to have this. Yeah. It's not lost on me, let me tell you. I uh Yeah, because we both know how work is when we get um it becomes work, right? Yeah. And a place that's hard to I almost find it's kind of harder to be creative at work if that makes sense. Sure. <laughs> you know, cuz it's work. You know, and you're pulled too many different directions. Well, when I'm here, I can just be like I can sit here and stare at these fucking bikes, and dude, I'm gonna have some fucking hitters coming out this year.
0: That's really good, man. I'm 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 super I'm super stoked for that. Um, just from the standpoint of um, I, last year, um, last year at Sturgis wasn't an off year. There were still some some bangers out there, but some of the best bikes that were at Sturgis this year, um, dare I say, were were some of the best bikes that were there the year previous. So, you know, oh, it, yeah. everything goes in ebbs and flows and I, I'm not, you know, I'm certainly not disparaging the, the event. You know, I love going there every year. I love seeing, I love seeing the same stuff. I mean, you know, I like listening to, uh, you know, Stairway to Heaven when it comes on the radio. And so there's something to that, Yeah, you know, seeing, you know, something, seeing and hearing something that's, that's, um, been already been once around the block um, where I wanted to start with, first of all, you know, uh, this is our, our first time of actually uh, putting out a podcast with us in a series um, that we're going to call the inside job. And, and what we mean by that is you and I have had so many conversations over the last four years since we've been since we've become friends that, you know, more often times than not we find that we have these pedestrian friends that are people that are not well I consider not in in the bike business, even if they kind of like motorcycles and they're really into it and maybe we ride with them, but then there's the other friends we have that are absolutely not into motorcycles at all. And they're not into business at all. Right. And then we have other friends that are in business, but they're in businesses that we know nothing about. Right. So there's a lot that can be learned from, from, from that. And in talking about perspectives, is where i want to go today and i want to talk about how perception is reality and start creating kind of a mindset you know bearing in mind the kind of people that are going to listen to this and really have some strong takeaways they're going to be shop owners they're going to be people who are thinking about maybe making this a part of how they make a living and then there's other people that maybe we want them to understand kind of the the ebb and flow that we go through and so i wanted to start with um converting your hobby into a career. And since that's something that both you and I did, and we both did it kind of in, I would say, non traditional manners, but John, traditionally in our business, it starts the way that you and I started.
1: You know, I, I would absolutely agree that, you know, it, it's something that, uh, you know, we're not business people. We just, uh, we love it so much and we figure, maybe we're a little too overconfident <laughs> and, uh, right. and figure, well, you know, why not? And, you know, as long as you don't quit, you can keep going.
0: You know, there's something to that. And and I've often told people that, you know, I just don't have enough sense to quit. Um, you know, from a, from a, you know, the more you and learn about business, the more I learn about business, the more we're in circles with people that have more successful businesses than ours and we also have um a group of people around us that are arguably in whether they're less successful businesses or businesses that haven't reached some of the zeniths that we have um we have these business conversations right and so we're kind of not smart enough to quit because there's a lot of people that would have told us to quit and so when when you look at converting your hobby into your career can you think back to the moment of enlightenment where you're like I think I can do this or I want to do this or this is the only thing I want to do because I think those three things are very different I think we saw something and thought man I could do that or we saw this and thought I'm gonna man I got I just have to do that and then there's other things like there's no way I'm going to do anything else and I think those are three very different things can you talk about that a little bit
1: well, I can tell you, uh, my first shop was a shop called Delta bike works and I was working for the Harley dealer. I was working for the Harley dealer in the daytime and then waiting tables at a steakhouse in the evening. And I made all of my money at the steakhouse and I worked as a Harley dealer because working for Harley was like, Oh my God, I get to work for Harley Davidson. And, uh, you know, I was used to working at the steakhouse where if your steak wasn't cooked perfectly, you know, we basically had to give you a hand job under the table. <laughs> and you know, and then I went to work for Harley Davidson, and at the time there was still the waiting list for the Harleys. We're talking like two thousand, and um, and the customer service, the owner, which is like he was an amazing guy. But customer service was not a part of the culture there. It was if the customer didn't like what you were doing, or the customer had a bitch, or the customer anything, it was basically, Hey, fuck off, you know, the next dealer's, you know, fifty miles down the road, beat it. Can I jump you know? in on and that would, real quick, John? Yeah. Because yeah, that would yeah,
0: have yeah. been that would have been the last four years of two thousand one, two, and three would have been the last four years. And I wanna paint a picture for people that maybe you know, one of the things, John, is you and I are getting up there in age to where we've been doing this 20 years now.
1: Hey, hey, hey easy, easy.
0: <laughs> well, we've been doing this 20 years, and so we remember when things were quite a bit different. So somebody that's only been in this 10 years, 12 years, even 15 years, needs to understand the picture. Now, I'm going to paint a picture of the dealership back then, and I want you to correct me if, if, if there needs to be a correction on this. Um, you would place an order for a motorcycle in order to place the order for the motorcycle, you went into a lottery to be into the lottery. You had to make a non, uh, a non-refundable deposit. When you made that non-refundable deposit, you got to pick your, your model. Um, You even would pick your color, but there were people that if a blue one came in and you ordered a black one, well, you either took the blue one or you didn't get one.
1: Well, yeah, I think uh, at our dealership, it was, um now you got to remember i was just a kid in the parts department knowing nothing about it but you know uh the way it worked at our dealership was you had you know there were only so many bikes that they got a year and and uh and you had to put your 500 hundred dollar deposit down and order order your bike and you're right if if the factory happened to send a, a purple one and i remember this distinctly a guy named Chuck, he had ordered a black roguelide, a 2001 black roguelide and a purple 2001 Concord purple, actually 2001 roguelide showed up and he, uh, he was like, damn, I really didn't want a purple motorcycle. Right. So he was like, if I don't take this bike, I don't know when I'm going to get one. So he went went ahead and took it. Yeah. So times were a lot different back then, but you know, what, what, the, the, and that, that speaks to the customer service thing, right? Right. So, you know, it was basically, hey, look, uh, the dealerships were on a much smaller scale. Our dealership, we had three parts guys, I think three or four techs, a, a couple, you know, motor clothes girls, one salesperson and the owner and the owner's wife. You know what I mean? So, and they were considered a fairly good sized dealership at the time. It was called Valley Harley Davidson. And um you know, it was just a different deal. They didn't have sales teams. But the used car guys hadn't gotten the, the market or the, the new car guy, you know, car dealer owners hadn't bought Harley dealers yet, or to right. my knowledge. Um so it was basically like, hey look, here's our product. Take it, leave it. We don't care. There's ten more people lined up right behind you who want it. Um, you know, and uh, so I opened my shop with the, the intent of, well, if I open a shop and give try and give people the same kind of customer service I do when I'm serving a state, um, you know, I think I'll do okay, and that served me well over the years. But uh, yeah, no, it was just I, I was lucky enough to have someone who um believed in me. I was a park guy, and I had a guy who had what I thought was a lot of money at the time approached me and he, he wanted, you know, he was like, Hey, I'll fund a bike shop. If you open it, we'll be partners, blah, blah, blah. And that lasted okay for a couple of years. But, uh, but that, that partnership partnership dissolved in, uh, early 2004. And then I opened dream Rise in September of 04, you know, on my own. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, yeah, that's how we got started.
0: So if we look at the, the three items that we, the, the three um, terms that we came up with, like, you know, you knew, you know, your your aha moment or your enlightening moment or where you decided that this is what you were going to do was somewhere around 2000, 2000, when you're working at Valley Harley Davidson. And you realized that um, customer service was not a was not the biggest piece of culture inside the dealership you had a couple choices. You could, you could take it or leave it. Um, and then at some point you really decided that you either wanted to do that. Right. And so you, uh, and so you move using the model that you had created inside the restaurant or that you uh, subscribed to inside the restaurant. So things started happening around customer service areas around 2002, 2003, 2004, when we saw people coming into the dealerships that weren't just um, bikers. It was more of a, a business people, right? So you you figure that you think you really want to do that. You had an opportunity to do that. When When did you decide that there's no way I'm going to do anything else? Tell me about how the arc of things change in your mind where you know, you get involved in the motorcycle industry, you think you want to do that, then you think you want to do it yourself. And then when you realize, like, hey, this is this is who I am, this is what I do, this is, wh- this is where I'm going. And, and the reason why I'm asking you that is because I want people to understand that there is a difference between wanting to try something, actually doing it, and then deciding that there's no other way out.
1: You know, Jason, I don't know that I haven't really contemplated that, to be honest. Uh, you know, I started a shop and it was, um, you know, it was, uh, you know, the only thing I knew how to do, if that makes sense. I didn't want to go back to waiting tables. Right. You know, and I, when I started my shop, I was young enough that I really didn't have a lot of responsibilities, um, that changed when, you know, my daughter Gwen came around and all that, but, uh, but at the same time, like, I didn't know I was all in, like, does that make sense? I was all in financially. I was all in financially so much, you know, every penny I, I had was in my motorcycle truck. So, Quitting was never an option, um, even when things were horrible and they were extremely rough. Uh, the, quitting was never an option for me, and I think, you know, you know, I I don't know. I that's a tough one for me to ask. You know, well, I mean, there's there's circumstances that just, create
0: that, right? There's circumstances yeah. that create that. the The circumstance that creates it is the, the, the one that says, Hey, like not for nothing. Um, but we've got to, we've got to move on. We've, you know, we've got to do, we've got to do something. We've got to do something else. We've got to, you know, we're not, we're not where we need to be. Right.
1: Well, yeah. So for me, I guess, um, I'm going to say failure was never an option by, but what I mean by failure, I mean, quitting cause I have failed. Over and over and over in this business, right? It wasn't until I say the last five, five to ten years that I I feel like I had any kind of breathing room. Um, but yeah, no. So I guess the purpose for me with doing this podcast is to help whether you've been in business for twenty years, five years, or you're just starting to start a shop. I want to do what I can whatever is in my power to help other people, maybe not go through some of the same trials and tribulations that I've gone through or that you've gone through. And also maybe there's some people out there that we can learn from. I, I'm positive there's people out there that we can learn from that, that, uh, you know, hopefully maybe we can have some, some people later on as guests who, who maybe hear some of the ideas on this podcast and they can, uh, and, you know, Steel, steel sharpen steel, steel. Yeah, yeah, that's. You know? a, that, um, I like
0: that. Steel, sharpen steel. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to make that a part of uh, the mantra of what we're doing because that is such an important, such an important thing to say that it actually that because it's a, such a fact. Um, so we talked about. I, I just want to recap so that we make sure we we create the 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 arc. When you move, once you moved into being an entrepreneur, you found out that that's where you're at and through circumstances um that that i have found myself in as well as a business owner and i'm sure you have as a business owner you realize that you are going to let a lot of a lot of things fail besides yourself because you're not it's not just you anymore
1: Yeah, no, I mean things things do fail. Yeah, uh, you know, that's part of you know. I I grew up skateboarding and and uh, to learn a new trick, you got to fall down a hundred times at least. You know, and business is the same way. It sucks, but it's true. You know, there's no there's no replacement for experience. There's no you can read all the best books. You can you can listen to this podcast and maybe you won't fall down as hard, but guaranteed. You're gonna fall
0: down. Business is a lot like skateboarding, you had said, and that you know you have to fall down a hundred times to learn a new trick. Which I think everybody here understands. Understands that metaphor. What I don't want to do is and I want to encourage people to fail, and I know that sounds uh, counterintuitive or counterproductive, but I want to let people know that there is, you know, while we can sit here and talk and talk and talk and talk about all the things that you've done right and wrong and all the things I've done right and wrong. Um, but there's going to be failure. So the idea is that you mitigate the failures. What is the one thing that you would recommend somebody as a new entrepreneur say, hey, listen, you're gonna fail. You're gonna fall down a lot. You're gonna make some mistakes. You're gonna cost yourself an awful lot of money here and there doing things that maybe you you wouldn't think that you were gonna do or that you wouldn't think would necessarily happen. So in order to mitigate those things, I would like for you to have Fill in the blank.
1: You know, I think it's just knowledge and and the realization of a little bit of business skill, you know, and I think so many of us, um, so many of us when we open our shops do not have any business skill. We're just just flying by the seat of the pants because we have an employee mindset, right? We have this idea that, um, well, I'm working for, you know, the dealership and I'm making 16 bucks an hour, you know, as a tax or whatever that number is. And I'm trading, you know, eight hours a day for this amount of money. And these are my bills and, and all that. When you become a business owner, um, all that changes because, you know, say, say you're a, a new shop and you're a one guy, you're a one show, a one guy shop, which most are in the beginning, I would assume, where I know sure. I was. Yeah, um, you know, because finances dictate that. And, you know, and, and you're like, well, you know, I'm going to charge a hundred bucks an hour and, you know, well, there's 40 hours in a week, you know, I should be able to make $4,000 this week. Well, <laughs> the, the reality of the situation is, um, you know, to bill out 40 hours, you know, a good rule of thumb is it's going to take another 40 hours worth of work to do that. Because you've got to you've got to have discussions with customers, you've got to order parts, you've got to research what you're going to do. Um, you're, you're, some of those jobs you are not going to go to according to plan, and you're not going to be able to bill out what you thought you were going to be able to bill out, or it's going to take you twice as long. Uh, that's just the nature of the beast. So, the, the hardest part about this is, go, you know, figuring out your numbers because everybody has. the the bills they have at home that they need to, they need just to survive, whether it's a truck payment, your car, your insurance, your cell phones, all that kind of crap, which if you're going to start your business, get that down to the smallest number you can possibly get. Okay. So Um,
0: I'm making a list. So right now, it sounds like you want people to understand they need to manage and reduce overhead right out of the gate. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, they I also have the to be dumb- aware of those those costs.
1: Yeah, so I think for me, the, some of the biggest mistakes I made um, were not understanding uh, not understanding you know how much time it actually takes to make money. So we'll use this in my current shop in, in Tennessee. So I have three techs, okay and for them to bill out an average of 30 35 hours a week it takes two full-time service riders a parts and receiving guy and i also have a general manager now we do more we sell bikes and we do some other things as well but um that is you know that's what it takes you know and that's a that's a big nut that's a lot of you know a lot of uh scary numbers flying around um but, you know, getting, getting started, you know, you're just a one guy show. So you got to manage your overhead. The, so I would say, especially in the beginning, it's not how much money you can make. It's how little money you spend. Ah, you there know. we go.
0: Okay. So that would be, so I have two things written down and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to jump in there and give one of the things. So I asked you, what would you want? If you have somebody comes to you and says, Hey, listen, I'm going to open a shop. What do you want them to have? You want them to understand, have aware of, manage and reduce their costs, right? Because there's only two ways to give yourself a raise, right? Do more work or spend less money. And you want them to have an understand a working knowledge of the billable hours in a day versus the, the hours in a day, the hours worked in a day. And you said you yeah, want them to have knowledge and skill, plan. right? So you're, we're assuming if we paint the picture of the the ideal situation of where you should be ready to move into your own space and your own doing, because we're watching this. I don't know if anybody's watching this online, but I, I you know, John, you you know how I feel about people being entrepreneurs. It's something that I, I, I love it and I love talking about it. And it means the world to me when somebody who is coming up in this business feels that I'm worth listening to, uh, you know, when they're creating their shop. But Sousa Cycles in NorCal is, you know, we interviewed them on the podcast a month or two ago, and they were, you know, they're he left the Harley dealer. He's working in his garage. Well, I just saw on social media uh, at the end of last week that, that they're moving into their first, like, legit retail commercial location. I, I love seeing this. And so my hope is that these guys have done what you said that they've, they've, they've acknowledged, managed and reduced their, they're out, right? They've understand how many hours there are in a day versus how many they can actually charge people for, because you can't charge people for answering the phone. You can't charge people for looking up parts. You can't charge people for looking in a service manual, you can charge them for spinning wrenches, right? I mean, that's what the time studies are based off of when you look at what, you know, if a job it pays four hours or the job pays six hours. Those are based on certain metrics inside Harley-Davidson. We'll use Harley-Davidson as an example because that's the, the space that we all occupy. The third thing that I would like to add in there and that you talked about knowledge and I was hoping that you would organically go there because this has been such a huge part of your success, I think. Is mentorship. You said something to me one time. You and I were driving in your truck. We were in Tennessee, and we talked about your your involvement uh, in the commitment that you made, um, being uh, in the is it the, the the Masons, right? Yeah, in the Masonic Temple. Now that is a group of a group of men that. That mentor each other and help each other and console each other and all work in the same kind of whether they're in the same business or not. They're all like-minded individuals and there's so much fellowship and mentorship that's available in in those spaces. That how important do you feel that that is, and in where do you find somebody like that something like that if you're not a part of an organization?
1: Well, you know, I think part of the reason we're doing this is mentorship, right? Sure. We want to, we want to, we want to help other people, maybe not have so many, so many, um, so many of the issues that we've had, you know? Uh, so for me, it was, it was the, the mentorship thing is huge. You know, uh, for the, you know, when I was a young man, I, I came up from a, a family that was, my grandmother raised us and she did a, A fantastic job as much as a grandmother can do sure you know but i did not have my dad really wasn't in the picture um in a positive way i had a couple uncles who tried their best you know but you know i came from a family that was you know they they were they were uh every no there were no entrepreneurs everybody had just went to work and, and lived their life and that's fantastic but you know, I decided I was going to be an entrepreneur, and and I needed some positive male role models in my life. If that makes any sense,
0: it sure does. So
1: I I sought out the Masons, and and I learned a tremendous amount. I'm still learning, you know, and that's that's part of the reason I sought out the hamsters because I came to the realization that I was going to be I want to do motorcycles the rest of my life, and there were uh, there's a lot of people you know in that organization who have managed to do so so for me it was okay let me seek this out so that i can learn from others who have done this before me right and and so i would say you know if you can find a support system if you can find people who can help you in business who truly have your best interest at heart that that's pretty awesome. And I think, you know, I, the the people I'm talking to in this podcast or the people I would like to inspire or, or are not, are not some guy with a a boatload of money just wanting to open a bike shop. That's a whole different conversation and nothing is wrong with that. I think that's awesome. You know? Um, But, but really I want to speak to, the 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 guy who just wants to do this for a living on his own who doesn't really have a lot of resources and maybe you know he doesn't come from uh doesn't come from money and it doesn't come from the the passed down knowledge of making money you know my kids are not going to have the same same outlook i had they're you know writers already talking about he told me he was starting a business at school to sell Pokemon cards to other kids and how much should he pay his employees. So, you know, (laughs) organically, he's, he's already had the benefit of seeing how business works and, and all that kind of thing that I never had. And, and I, you know, and I think the, the stereotypical motorcycle shop owner who opens his shop is very passionate about motorcycles, loves motorcycles, you know, has figured out some sort of way by hook or crook that maybe they can open a bike shop. And, you know, now the real fun begins, (laughs) you know, Mike Tyson, Um,
0: Mike Tyson talks about, you know, his son, his, one of his son's boxes. Right. And he's pretty good, but Mike Tyson was arguably one of the, one of the greatest to ever do it. And Mike Tyson talks about how his son is never going to be a pro boxer simply from the standpoint of the fire not being there he wasn't he's not trying to get out of anything same goes holds true with michael jordan's sons both of them you know played basketball at, at division one schools but they didn't they didn't really they didn't excel right um do you do you ever worry about you had mentioned you know riders coming up in a very different very different environment than you did gwen came up in a very different environment than you did do you, do you worry about the fire?
1: Oh, of course I do. And that's, that's something that I think is, is, you know, nature and nurture. I think there are some people who are just intrinsically driven to, to keep pushing and pushing and pushing and, and, uh, here, here's a good example. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm not going to speak out of turn here. Cause I've seen this firsthand. Right. Let's, let's bring up Zach Ness, okay? okay? I think it's pretty common that Zach Ness has come up in a family that is motorcycle royalty, right? Right. That is uh, that is um, probably had a lot of advantages that a lot of us didn't have. But you know what I've also seen? I've also seen Zach Ness bust his ass. I mean, he works hard, you know, doing all kinds of stuff for, for that company, you know, filling out little websites and learning all kinds of new shit, product development, you know, working an incredible incredible amount of hours. He's got the fire, right? So I'm not going to tell you that, that, you know, just because you have, you grew up with a little bit of advantage that you can't have the fire. Absolutely. I think you can. And, and a lot of people will, um, you know, I think that's an, either way is a special person, there's, there's also a lot of people who grow up in disadvantaged families who use that as a crutch, a reason why they will never succeed. So, you know, I don't want to paint the picture that, you know, my, my, my son or somebody can, can't um, exceed me because I'd really like to believe that they can. And, and I'm doing my damnedest as a father to make sure that that happens. You know, now it's up to them you know, but I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just, I, you know, I, I did a few years ago. I was really kind of tripping on that a little bit, but mm-hmm. you know what? I th- I think the best course for me is, you know, I'm just going to, my job as a father is to give these kids every advantage, teach them, teach them how to take advantage of our advantage. Right. Um, and then it's up to them, and if they don't want to do it, they don't want to, You know, it's not their gig. Well, who am I to say any different? I'm really trying to do the old uh, um, live and let live kind of thing. Right. You know? Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, I, I understand <laughs> I mean, that. You know, I'm not. I, I wasn't. Want,
1: I don't want to stress on that. But but you know, I think I think there are um, the 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 reason I agreed and the reason I thought we should do this podcast is because. I feel like there are a lot of people who uh who may be extremely driven. They're they're they do not have the the knowledge, um just because of their circumstances. You know, nothing negative in saying that. Uh because I certainly didn't for many, many years and I'm still learning a ton. But you know, the idea is to to try and help others succeed in our business so that as a whole our business can can thrive for many more years to come. Yeah, as an, um,
0: as a, as an industry, correct?
1: <clears throat> yeah, as an industry. So so the my my thought is this, okay? My thought is okay, you and I let's say let's say I have the absolute best bike shop in the country, which I don't. But let's say that I did. I'm fucking just slaying it, killing it. Well, That's cool, but I'm only one shop, right? Right. One shop cannot support a whole industry. We need a badass bike shop in every single city. Yeah, we do. We We do. We need, we need, we need top level people opening shops all around this country, right? And what that does is it does two things. It supports our industry by buying parts from manufacturers, right? Yep. Buying parts from distributors. It keeps, the, it keeps the thing going, but you know what it also does? It creates more customers, okay? Uh, when, when, you know, say I sell a bike to a, a kid who's got, um, you know, uh, he's got five grand to spend, and he comes and buys a diner, right, or whatever, and he goes home, and his uncle sees it, and his uncle's like, hey, you know what? Man, that's pretty badass. I need to get a bike, too. And his uncle goes out to the Harley dealer and buys a brand new bike. Uh, You know, so, and that actually happened to me. I bought a fat boy when I was uh, 21 and yeah. And before I worked for the dealership and, uh, and my, my uncle was so happy. I bought a bike. He went out and bought a bike too. So what (laughs) I mean by that is when we create customers Those customers create more customers, okay? So we have good bike shops that create customers who are creating more customers. So, you know, in my area, and now the Harley dealer doesn't necessarily agree with me on this, but they're dead wrong, okay? I'm out there creating new customers. Right. They're also creating new customers. And when we're both creating new customers, we're both pumping each other's businesses up. So on a national level, though, right, if, if there's a, a really cool bike shop in a city all over this country, you know, or a lot of them, and not only are they a good bike shop creating good experiences for their customers, they're also contributing to the scene, they're also showing up to bike shows, they're putting on local events, they're giving people something to do on their motorcycles, then all of a sudden, more people across the nation are riding motorcycles, right? Yep. I mean, it's just dumb logic to me. This is we do not live in we're not in an industry. We're not a Porsche dealer, right? Where you buy the Porsche, you go home, and maybe join a Facebook Porsche group or something like that. But the dealer is just there to sell you the initial Porsche. Right? Right. No, we're 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 more in a people business where where our job as bike shop owners, our job as stewards of our industry, right? Because the manufacturers don't really have the customer-to-customer interaction that we do. Um, it's our job, in my opinion, to continue to push this industry forward in a, in a matter we which we're, we're actually delivering a good product to the customer, we're providing motorcycle events to do, we actually do it because we love it you know because there's other ways to make money if you don't love this shit, do not do it um so that's my goal in this podcast is to help people who want to do this for a living or maybe already are doing it for a living trying to become more successful and be, when they become more successful I believe I will become more successful. You will become more successful. Everybody, you know, will continue to push and push and push.
0: So, so so I want to, I want to, all of that stuff has given me the perfect outline that I need to i want to start we're we're in the back side of the or the front side of the 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 second half of of our hour-long program so now i want to start talking about we've we've gone over a lot of a lot of information and what that's led us to is, is i'd like to give our listeners some homework okay so in the in the first half you said you just you and you glossed over it it was just something that you said in in your in your in when you were contextualizing things how do you lose the employee mindset? That That's something that I, I think that is the best place, John, for all of us to start, because you and I both know that we saved up a little bit of money. We said, we're going to open this bike shop, hell or high water, hook or by crook, like you said, we go, we, we scour and we find, you know, a building that's going to, that's going to fit our, the cheapest building we can afford and the best location that we can, we can find. And then you know, we get an open sign, and we we do our first order with with Drag or with Tucker or Hard Drive or whoever we're going to do it with, and then we start working, right? And we probably already had a couple of bikes in our in our garage that we were working for for our friends, because like you said, it's a community. But then, it hits us. Reality hits us. We're all in. There is no there is no parachute, right? We we've jumped out of the plane and we gotta start we've gotta start sewing our parachute on, on the way down. So I think it's time for us to really if we're gonna encourage people to do this at the level that we want them to do this at and give them the tools that we need to do that, I think the first tool we need to give them is losing the employee mindset. I've got I've got four things written down here. I'd like to know what is your number one metric for losing the employee mindset?
1: Boy, that's a tough one. Well, let, let, there, let me, let's just pause that for just 10 seconds here. Mm-hmm. All right, I talk longer than that, so maybe longer than 10 seconds. <laughs> but I, I also want to mention that um, there's a lot of roles to play in this, okay? Uh, being a great employee is one of them, right? So none of us can survive without good employees bottom line, right? So, you know, last thing I want to do, you know, you have to have everything in order to do this, right? You have to have a supporting, you have have a supporting family. I mean, we can get into a, get into the weeds on this, right? Yeah. But let's, let's just assume you've already decided you're going to open your own bike shop, right? then, then we're talking to you. I'm not trying to encourage people who shouldn't open their own shop to open a shop.
0: No, neither am I. This is two
1: different, two different things there. But let's, let's assume you've already decided you're going to open up your own shop. Well, the, the number one changing employee mindset for me, what that means is no longer are you governed by the clock. Okay. No longer does a 40-hour work week apply to you. No longer does a day off apply to you. And what I mean by that is, you know, we all need downtime, we all need balance, we all need, you know, I don't work as hard as a lot of people in the bike, you know, <laughs> in the bike shops and this. And I that. think that's arguably relative. Okay, but but let, let me quantify that. So Employee mindset says, I'm going to open up to shop and I'm going to go there and I'm going to work from nine to six every day, you know, Tuesday through Saturday and on Sunday, Mondays, that's, you know, those are my, you know, I'm not working. And if you can pull that off, you know, you're awesome. Right. Mm -hmm. But let me explain to you how, how it typically works for me. Right. So I go to shop, you know, we're open Tuesday through Saturday, in both locations, uh, and you know here it is. I don't open till 10, it's ten o'clock, and in, in, uh, it's ten o'clock when I open up out here in Tennessee. Well, it's eight forty-five in the morning. We've been talking for forty-five minutes. This is work. If we're be honest, this is part of my job. This is I absolutely this work. Okay, um, but you have to, you know, so or. I'll wake up at 4 a.m., you know, uh, when I go to the auction in Atlanta. I'll wake up at 4 a.m., jump in my truck, drive to Atlanta, do the auction all day, jump back in my dr- truck, drive four more hours, get back at, you know, 6 or 7 at night, right? hmm Yeah, that's a long day.
0: It is, and you called me it. last week, and you said, Jesus, do you, go, you, you called me, and you go, hey, do you have a minute? And I'm like, yeah, you're like, I'm driving. I'm going crazy. And you said, I can't believe how accustomed – I've become to a 650 mile day.
1: Yeah, 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 no, absolutely. That, that's just part of the deal. <laughs> so for, for me, um, but, but what I'm saying by that is you have to get out of your own brain. So you're going to have to, you know, I'm closed on Mondays. Well, you know what? On Mondays, I'm still checking the bank accounts. I'm still moving money around where it needs to be. I'm still placing orders so that they can be there on Tuesday when we're ready to go. I might meet a customer, you know, if a customer wants to buy a bike, I'm going to meet them down there. I'm not going to tell them no If, I, if I'm i just hanging out. Well, guess what? I'm going to go down there and sell a bike. Yeah. If we have some pro, if we have some problem bike that is is the bane of our existence and we have to finish it, you know, the customers get the patience is wearing thin and, and we've just got to make it happen. Guess what? I'm going to go do what needs to be done. Right. And the employee mindset is oh no, I'm off work. You know what I mean? Don't call me. You know they don't answer the phone after work. You know they don't. You know, for me, and, and there's a lot of ways to skin this cat. You know, this is just my opinion, um, which I, people
0: find very valuable. And you, you
1: okay, and that's great. Yeah, but I just, I just want to also say that you know. I'm giving you my knowledge and what, what my opinion is. And there are other people who, who are very successful who probably have a different mantra. And that, you know, there's a lot of ways to skin this cat, but how I do it and how I think most people will have to be successful is you're going to have to, you're going to have to drop that. Um, you're just going to have to drop it. You know what I mean? Not only that, it gets, it's so much deeper than that, right? Because, To be successful, I think you have to eat, breathe, and sleep this stuff. This is not a job. This is a passion. This is something that is in your soul. This is something that you would do, and you should feel blessed that you get to do if you get to do it. So, um, you know, we put on the drag races here in Knoxville. Well, I'm just adding more work, right? But, but I fucking love it. But I fucking love it. You know, so we do it because we're in love with doing it. Uh, you know, when we're when we're out doing bike nights, and we're we're or we're you know, I just post up on my you know when the weather's nice, and I see it's going to be nice on a Sunday or a Monday or something, and I'm like, you know, I kind of feel like going for a ride. Well, part of it is. Uh, yeah you know what sometimes it'd just be nice to go for a ride by myself right screw it or grab me in a guy or two and we just go blast and have a great time well but then I'm like well you know I have this great opportunity to build customer base to get to know more people to some more people know like and trust me and so I'll just throw out on my social media hey shop ride we're leaving at the shop at 10am you know come on down. We'll have a good time. Right.
0: Well, those things right there, those things, John, those those are things that you want to encourage people to do and and we need to have like a a, a serious sit down about that kind of thing. We will,
1: but, but that's also changing the employee mindset, Jason. Okay. That is changing the employee mindset because believe it or not, that's work, right? When we have 25 people show up at a shop and we're doing now we're doing a shop ride and, I'm trying to like, okay, where are we going to go to lunch? And all this stuff is this stuff that I love to do. You better believe I fucking love it. Right. But it's work. Right. So you're always working. You know, that is the, 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 the blessing and the bane of an entrepreneur is you're always working.
0: So let me, re- let me read you what I wrote down because you, you, I think you thought i was looking for bullet points and what i did was pulled bullet points that i'm looking for out of what you gave me and then i'm going to give you what you gave me and they're they're class they're exactly where i needed you to be and then i'm going to give you the one that you missed the first thing you said is your day is no longer governed by the clock that 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 in and of itself talks to exactly that i mean that's just there that's that's non-negotiable okay number two you just you I wrote it down from something you said earlier but you just you just reiterated it everything you do becomes work number three your day off is merely a suggestion sometimes you have to go in okay I left number four blank and I skipped to number five because I thought it was a great place to to stop and then I'm going to come back to what I thought should be number four because you didn't touch on it you must remain thankful at all times. You know, I, ha- I have two signs in my office. One of them says, relax, you already have, uh, it says, relax. You already have everything you need, okay? And then the other one says, um, remember, you asked for all of this, right? <laughs> So but number four, the one thing we didn't talk about and I think it's so critical because I think it's one of the biggest misconceptions and you touched on it earlier but I, I really wanted to drill down and, and create this bullet point. We didn't talk about pay. We didn't talk about real pay we didn't talk about real money and I, and I think it we can't gloss over it. we have to be honest with it John not you don't have to yeah. we don't have to honestly tell people what we make but I can honestly no, tell you I don't even know. No, I, I don't. Yeah. <clears throat> I can honestly tell you that I have not paid myself through a payroll company or the same amount every week in almost two years now.
1: Okay. So Doesn't mean I haven't I'll paid myself,
0: this. but it means I have yeah. not, I'm not on the payroll.
1: Yeah. So I've never been on my pay- payroll. So... Um the way, the way it works for me is I pay myself uh, just enough to pay my expenses. You know what I mean? Like I, I drive a 2005 S350 that's paid for. Um, I don't have vehicle payments. I don't have credit card payments because, well, I use credit cards every day at work, but they get paid off immediately. You know, usually the next day because I'm trying to wrap up points. But, the, the thing is like the the goal is okay at least how it works for me is i am i'm putting everything i can back into the business right so uh we just placed a i placed a, a 50 order seat with foulmen so i can have fcc seats in four different colorways you know both with the back you know what I mean like yeah I just had to place a uh, you know a large large order so that I could have products that people wanted and they can get it right now right right well if I'm pulling out a thousand twelve hundred dollars a month for a new f350 you know at the end of the year there's all those seats right okay. yep or not quite you know it costs more for the seats but what I'm getting at is the only way you make money is with money, right? You, you're, when you're trading time for money, you, there's only so much time. You have to be, be able to buy and sell your commodities, buy seeds, antibiotics, whatever it is, so that you can make more money, right? Um, but pay, like, you're going to need to, in my opinion, you're going to need to pay, pay yourself as little as possible even when the shop is killing it, right. To level up, it costs money. Right. Um, I, I, want to encourage, you know, a whole nother podcast is going to be bike sales. Uh, I think every bike shop in the country should be doing bike sales. Um, because you know, there's a huge profit potential where I think people are missing out on because I know I missed out on it for Way, way, way too long. Uh, but you know, you it takes money to make money. And most of us, when we start our bike shops, we're working on with little to no money, right? Yeah. So if you're, if you're always pulling money out of the business to pay yourself because you want the coolest fucking truck and you want this and you want that, well, you know, that, that, you know, say you buy a hundred thousand dollar truck well, if you put that hundred thousand dollars in your business and you're able to turn that money a few times, you just cost yourself $300,000 over the next two or three years.
0: Yeah. That's you one that way to look sense? at it you you're tying up your capital. So I want to go back, right. I just want to recap real quick, just so that everybody understands what I want people to walk away from. We're trying to build this in, we're building a, a pyramid And the foundation that we're building right now is we're trying to get people to understand, like I'm talking to the, the person that I want to lose the employee mindset. Is the person that is already in business and is going through a little bit of a tough time and maybe they're in their own way and if you can lose the employee mindset if you're thinking about how uh, you know starting a bike business and you hear this podcast and you go like oh i I hadn't thought of that right i've only thought of being my own boss you know that was the other thing too that people think that you don't have a boss if you're self-employed well, you do, you have every person that walks through your front door and rings that bell at the front service counter becomes your boss for the amount of time that that, that they are, are holding what you have to say captive. You know, they want your time. And that's, you know, that's one of the things that's super important to, to take away from this. Um, the next thing I want to talk about, and I'm going to, we'll be able to finish up with this one today, is. Um, I, I I want you to describe for me, because you've touched on it a couple times. I want you to describe for me, John, what an ideal competitor is. And because I happen to feel that the, the the dirtiest word in business, if you go back to our episode 68 back in 2021, we talked about the dirtiest word in business being competition. And I just think that competition is an indicator of health, I think it is an indicator of wealth. I think it is an indicator of opportunity. I think, you know, the best place to put a Burger King is across the street from a McDonald's. And I think that's why they do that. I think that Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts can be on opposite ends of the same plaza. And the reason why I I I talk about that is because you get a very different experience at Dunkin' Donuts than you do at Starbucks. And some would say you can get a better cup of coffee at Dunkin' Donuts than you can get at Starbucks. So talk to me about an ideal competitor, John.
1: So, you know, I can tell you this, right? You can, you can, I think Justin McGinnis from Art told me this. Um, Because I was talking about maybe... Like, okay, like I want a hard part playing, but I've never done that and I don't know nothing about it. And, this, and that, Here's, I was like, how many, how many, uh, how many different pegs can there be? He goes, Well, John, the only way to win is you can either have a better product, better marketing, or you can just be better in business than those guys, right? So there's, there's that form of competition, right? Right. So I'm never, I, I'm, I'm never worried about competition because I believe there's enough people out there who are going to find that what I do is valuable and there are going to be people who think I'm full of shit and never want to talk to me and that's okay. But so the ideal competitor for me is someone who doesn't whore themselves out, right? Who understands that, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to come out here and we're going to be awesome. Right. Cause I guarantee you, if a, if a bike shop opened up on the other side of town and we're not in that big of a town, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna keep I'm gonna keep doing what I'm doing, right. I'm gonna keep striving to be provide the best product for my customer, meaning the best customer experience, the best bike that leaves. I'm just gonna stay in my lane. I'm never gonna say nothing negative. We're just gonna keep on trucking, right? And I guarantee you, we're not we're not gonna slow down. And guess what? If they do the same thing across the town, across town, they can also be successful because they're going to be creating, they're going to do something completely different than me, guaranteed. Right? They're going to see everything through a different lens. They're going to be doing stuff that I don't, I don't even, uh, I don't even do, to be honest. So, what, what's going to happen there is they're going to start creating a customer base of their own. We're going to have our customer base we're not going to have to fight over the same people. And some people are, some people are going to jump around from shop to shop, to shop and that's fine too. Right. Um, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be good for the area. Right. So, uh, the local Harley dealer sees me as a big competition. Right. And I am, I think I am competition, but what they don't understand is, uh, We're creating customers, right? Right. Our job job as bike shop owners is to create customers. And, you know, we shouldn't be so worried about, you know, how many slices of pie are in the pie. We should be worried about growing the pie. And that's the purpose, you know, that's kind of the idea behind this podcast is, yeah, like, we're, we're talking to people about opening bike shops. We're talking about people about making their bike shops better. And eventually that might, you know, I'm not going to say bite us in the ass. I don't think so. But, you know, we're in, in a sense encouraging competition. You know, we're going to show up at bike shows. We're going to show up at all this stuff. And man, that new kid who shows up who, who just is fucking playing it. Well, guess what? we might not win because that guy shows up, but that's okay. That's good for the industry and that's good for what we do overall. Um, but yeah, competition is, you know, I'll, I'll use this as an example real quick. Let me back up. And okay. I kind of be long winded. I'm sorry, but <laughs> there was a shop and there was a shop in Stockton that had opened up called West Coast, I think it was West Coast connection or, Hey, anyway, I don't remember. It was West Coast something, right? And a big money guy from the Harley dealer had gotten some investors and they opened this big shop and this big, big building and, and blah, blah, blah. And first thing they did was they showed up. Well, everybody, I think we were $100, 105 bucks an hour at the time. You know, it was an independent. The dealer was even more. And they showed up and they went down to 55 bucks an hour. You know what I mean? Just a... Just to try and annihilate all competition and and they they were they were just trying to murder us all right sure and that's what they thought they were going to do well you know we just stayed in our lane we kept doing what we were doing we kept treating customers right we kept charging what we were charging and we never skipped a beat and a couple years later they were out of business you know um so I wouldn't worry about competition. You know, I think competition is good. I think, you know, if there's a really cool bike shop in your area, then you guys should be putting on events together, right? We should we should be, you know, there's some bike shops in Knoxville. I'm always reaching out to bike shops like, hey, we're doing this drag race thing. We'd love to have you involved. You know, we'd love to get all the bike independent shops, you know, Harley dealers are a whole nother deal. And, and, you know, I keep thinking it'd be cool to work with them, but it never ends up happening. But, um, but really independent bike shop owners, we're all kind of the same guy. It, right? It's funny. We all be, love,
0: it's funny because we not all to... love
1: fucking motorcycles and, and we just want to do this for <laughs> a living. And, and we tend to look at the look at the guy who does that same thing for a living is like, we're stealing from each other's plate that's not the case you know if we all work together and and you know we all put on events together and we all you know fuck dude i guarantee you you'll you're given a chance probably 90 percent of the bike shop owners in this country would like each other there's a bunch of fucking douchebags but those guys will just fall fall by the wayside they'll get an efficient or something um but you know (laughs) it's just funny to me that
0: you know i'm friends I'm um, you know you and i are so close and i have other friends that work at other bike shops you know paul up at fuel moto and tony may out of ramjet i'm not super close with him or anything but i can call him and, and, and he'll help me uh, and i'll you know of course i'll help him he's called me for for little things here and there but I, last week i got on the phone and i called every single one of my competitors in the tampa bay area like every one of them and i know all of them i've dealt i've done business for and with them and they were really taken aback that i called them to ask them how things were going you know they and then i knew things that had happened in their shop you know because you hear things you know that they had moved to a new building and they had you know a new tool or you know they had done this or that and the one guy i don't want to say who he was but he was like who's this and i'm like yeah this is jason cycle stop usa he's like uh where are you at and i finally i go hey man i go you and i have had beers together we know each other what's the problem yeah oh oh man you know what i was just giving you a hard time and and he wasn't he was like he thought i was fishing and i'll be honest and tell you what i was doing i called every dealer around me and every shop around me said hey what are you guys charging per hour and they were just like some of them were like a Offended that I would ask such an audacious question. I'm like, listen, let me explain to you why I want to know what you're charging. I want to make sure that I'm not the guy who's undercharging egregiously and taking business away from you. I want to make sure I'm not the guy who is egregiously overcharging. And so what I did was, and we can, I want to have, I definitely want to talk about building your service department. That's one, one of the upcoming episodes that I want to have. But I'll tell you what I did real quick. is I called everybody, I took off the most expensive, the least expensive, averaged everything together. Then I averaged everything together with the most and the least expensive, and it came up with what needed to be the the, the labor rate. Like we, I'm, I can't tell somebody how to run their business. I can just tell you how I run mine. But I, you know, but I talk to you, and you'll tell me anything. You know, you're like, yeah, this is this is what we did. But I, because you're in, you're in Tennessee, somehow. People see that as they don't acknowledge the, the competition is such a dirty word, and and I wish we could find a new a new term for it. But I want to go back over real quick because once again, I was able to pull out some amazing bullet points from from what you had said. I said, describe for me an ideal competitor, and these are kind of in the order that you that you gave me them, and then the last one I created out of the conversation that you gave me. And and so these are what I came up with. Number one, they understand the pitfalls of the race to the bottom, right? They understand that, 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 that that we, that we have to all kind of be in the same space. And that goes back to why I was calling all the competitors. The number two thing that I took away from what you said is that they also want to see a healthy field of play, right? There's no such thing of equality of outcome, but the best thing we can do as a community is create equal opportunity for everybody, right? You do certain things very well that I don't do. I probably do a few things that you don't do very well, or as well as what we do. And it just, I'm not saying that there's nothing that your shop can't do that mine does. What I'm saying is, I I, I get what you're saying. Well, I don't want, yeah, I don't want somebody else to go like, Oh geez. Um, But the third thing, and I created this out of what you said is and we didn't talk about this in in the first in in the part about losing the employee mindset but in creating what you would see is an ideal competitor they're healthy enough to survive right they're healthy enough to survive that they understand that this is going to be hard that they understand that there's going to be some trials and some tribulations and in but but as you said before by hook or by crick They're going to maintain healthy enough to survive. They're going to create a healthy mindset. They're going to be thankful for for what they asked for. They're going to take as little as possible out of their business and keep reinvigorating they're the, the core of their business. Um, they understand that that they're going to, everything they do is somehow going to become work. You love going to the drag strip, but you're still working. You love going on bike rides, but you're still working. You love going on bike nights, but you're still working. There has to be that component of work. That's the thing that is in every entrepreneur's brain, right? In every single entrepreneur's brain is they're always thinking of a way to turn something into an asset for their career. And that is the number one takeaway I want everybody to take away from the conversation that you and I've had today, John is that entrepreneurs are either made or born, but it's a real thing. It is something that is in either your DNA or your mental psyche or the wiring that the, the neuroplasty of your brain is that you think Along the lines of an entrepreneur, and there's people who are in business that don't think like entrepreneurs, and they do it forever, and they don't realize it. And there are people that are not successful yet; they haven't got that that pinnacle, that zenith that you have. But they they're still well, they're still entrepreneurs.
1: There's one other thing, one other critical component that. I, I didn't touch on, and I actually got this one from Jace Hudson, Right. And I think Jason and I were doing a pod- podcast and so podcast. maybe I was listening to one of his and it really hit home. Right. So as a young bike shop owner, there were some times where the customers had a less than favorable experience in my shop. Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, maybe, maybe I was robbing Peter to pay Paul and, and, you know, it was time to buy their parts and I have their money, or whatever the heck it was, right? And the worst thing as an industry we can do is, you know, I, earlier I talked about, you know, if I create a customer, he creates customers, and it just goes on and on, right? Yeah. We can also ki- we can also kill a customer, so I need competition. Who's going to create customers, not kill customers? And what I mean by that is, if you buy a you buy this cool street glide, or maybe you buy a 05, 05 bagger or something, you bring it in the shop and man, everybody likes to spend money on a bike they just got, right? And you come in the shop and you do this and you do that and I just completely shit the bed on your job, whether it's poor craftsmanship or poor business, business management or whatever it is, you might say, hey, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to go buy a boat. Right? Right. And if you and it, that that's really bad. That's bad competition, right? That's not what we want. Because as an industry, and that's part of the purpose. I like. I would love to, you know, embark on this with you. Um, is to hopefully minimize those experiences as much as possible because they're all over the internet, right? They are. And some guys don't give up. Some guys do not give on bikes give up on bikes at all and they go crazy and they make horrible posts about the bike shops but they just move on to a different bike shop right and and that's awesome when they can do that but what's horrible is the guy who doesn't post what's horrible is the guy who doesn't go out there and he doesn't you know all he's doing is saying hey you know what fuck this shit I'm done right yeah and the guy who's done the guy who's done taught us as an industry forever.
0: Yeah, we may never get him back. We may never get him back. Yeah,
1: you know, or 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 we may never get his friends. Or we you know it, it just goes on and on. Yep. So healthy competition is having guys who are like you said are going to be successful, who are going to do good and who are going to cr- create customers and not cancel customers. Um you know and and as an industry, you know and hopefully we can get a lot of other people on this podcast who knew way more than I do, you know, and I can learn something from them. And, you know, it, it, maybe we can create something here or maybe it doesn't go nowhere. Who knows?
0: No, but I think it will. I think it will. I think it will. You know, I, absolutely. I think we're I think we're in a good space. Um, this is a good place to, to, to put a pin in it. And, and Oh, go ahead.
1: I got one more thing to say. Okay. I just wanna give out give out a shout out to my boy John Long out in Vacaville. All right. Or maybe he's Vallejo, I don't remember. But we had we had initially done this podcast a few days ago and I, I said some really great things about John. John is an FSR expert, okay? Mm-hmm. And he's he kinda runs his shit a whole lot different than I do. He's he's you know, one two man operation and we were talking about how that may or may not be viable depending on your situation. And I just called him to let him know, hey, look, I brought you up in the podcast and I just wanted to, hopefully, hopefully that's cool and all that. And uh, so he's been hitting me up wanting to listen to the podcast and then the file got corrupted. <laughs> Dang it. Yeah. Right? So we, this is kind of a redo of a podcast, which I think it it was nice because we had a little bit more of a structured podcast, not just a, a hour-long bullshit session. Um, but... If anybody out there, you know, obviously Dream Reds in Stockton, fucking A, we're killing it. Tom Tom and the crew are, are doing great, and John's not that far away. Um, John is a fucking stud. Just, I would want to put that out there for everybody. And where John, can they find I, him? About to talk to you about.
0: Can they find him on Instagram uh, or Facebook?
1: I, yeah, uh, it's under John Long on uh, Facebook, and then uh, – I, I just know, you know, it's weird when you know your buddy. And then right,
0: yeah, I don't I always know everybody by their Instagram. handle.
1: I'm looking it up.
0: Some people I only know by their handle, and other people I don't know their handle <laughs> at
1: all. Oh, uh, shit, I think, it, yeah, I can, you know, I see him all the time. You know, I don't even know his Instagram. I, it pops up all the time, but I don't even pay attention because I know his actual real name right on um, but anyway john john's a good buddy and i just wanted to give him a shout out because I, told him, I told him i had brought him up
0: <laughs> well i appreciate it buddy listen have a profitable and prosperous week and we appreciate everybody listening to the podcast and uh there's gonna be many more just like this this is episode one of the inside job thank you john have a great day talk to you very soon buddy All right. Bye-bye. bye